Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, today is the day. Today is the day the Lord has made. We are rejoicing. We are glad in it. Let us not forget that. No matter what day it is, no matter what the day portends, it is a day that the Lord has made, and we are going to rejoice and be glad in it. There is some big news today. Um, There is a plan to reopen the U.S. economy. I'm going to liken that to, like, literally turning on light at an end of a tunnel. So you feel like you've been in this dark tunnel. The unknown is all that is before you. You're anticipating the end of the tunnel, but you really don't know when the end of the tunnel is going to come. And then somebody flicks on a light. At least people can begin to see the end of the tunnel. Now, it's not here yet. The end of the tunnel is not here yet. But there's hope. There, There is a hope on the horizon. There is literally a light at the end of this Uh, This tunnel. So there is a three phase plan for states to reopen the economy. Uh, Phase one for for individuals, certainly vulnerable individuals are still going to be uh, encouraged, required to shelter in place, Uh, telework and return to work in phases for, um, you know, for for those of us who traditionally work together in environments, telework is going to be encouraged to continue for many. Schools will remain closed. Gatherings no larger than 10 people. So churches continue to be dramatically affected during phase one. Travel minimized to non-essential big venues, restaurants, gyms um, open, but with strict social distancing uh, guidelines and bars remained closed. It's okay with me if bars remain closed permanently, but um, you'll see that as we move phases forward, uh, that's going to become untrue. Okay, so phase two. Uh, individuals continuing the uh, continuing for vulnerable people to shelter in place. That's going to be, you know, our older adults. It's also going to be anyone who is immunocompromised for the workplace. Continue to encourage telework. Um, schools open in phase two. So if schools opening in phase two probably does not mean this year. I just think we need to go ahead and get a grip on that. If if that has not been announced where you live, um, it's really hard to imagine anybody is going to actually return to a physical school building this year, although maybe in some places it might happen. Gatherings of no more than 50, again, that continues to really dramatically impact churches in phase two. Uh, Travel, non-essential travel can resume. And then um, big venues um, that are smaller occupancy continue, uh, continue to open. And then we move to phase three, which I would describe as more like normal. But I don't think it's returning to what we experienced as normal for a long time. Facebook has already announced that as a company, as a corporation, they will have no in-person gatherings over 50 until mid-2021. I want you to just consider if that were to apply to churches or universities or to the kinds of events that denominations and Christian organizations ordinarily offer. I want you to imagine no in-person gatherings over 50 until mid-2021. 
So when we talk about phasing back into normalcy, um, I don't really know if we're going back or if we need to consider what it's going to look like to continue to move forward into whatever the future filled with hope is that God has for us. Um, You know, we could do church, not just with our family of four in our house in front of a television, but we might have to do more church at home in community versus church in gatherings of thousands at big venues. Like, we're going to have to rethink some of these things going forward um, for the foreseeable future. And again, the foreseeable future is is illuminated now by a light at the end of the tunnel. So that's that's encouraging. One sign that things are returning to normal, Matthew Hawkins is back with us today on Mornings with Carmen. That's up next. We'll be right back. A sign that things are returning to normal. Matthew Hawkins is back with us today, public theologian, former policy director for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, Matt, welcome back. Good morning. Good how's morning. How does it feel, to be, how's it feel to be a sign of the return of normalcy? That's you should, pretty good. I, I've not re- I've, I've not been re- referred to like that, but like I, I like it. I'll, I feel I'll like that's it. a that's business card worthy. Yeah, now, I, I feel like card. my you know I'll, I'll put it on I my LinkedIn like, profile right now. Right, Quote, like you're the guy who things are returning to normal. <laughs> there you go. A sign that things are ret- Matthew Hawkins has arrived. A sign that things are returning to normal. That, that's funny. That's good. That's great. That's not bad. That's not a bad you thing guys, to be. You guys doing all right? Yeah, you we're doing, doing well. all right. We are doing well. How about good. you guys? Us too. We're, I can't complain. We we're 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 pretty we're we're doing all right, especially yeah. compared to what a lot of folks are going through out there. So no complaints here. Which I think is the perspective that um, just so many of us have become more and more aware of, right? Just how blessed we are yeah. in the midst yeah. of all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, we, we, we humans tend to not uh, remember these lessons long term, but I'm hopeful that um, we'll have a greater appreciation of a lot of stuff we forgot about uh, that we kind of returned to during the pandemic. So, yeah. Exactly. Okay, so you and I are going to survey a few headlines this morning, as we uh, like to do together. Um, The ones I have up in front of me right now are related to abortion in the midst of all of this. So I'd just like for Uh you to just kind of roam around in this. There's so many headlines related to this. We could go down any one of these directions. So you just pick one and let's talk about it. Yeah, well, uh, as as you see, as you say, kind of a sign of return to normalcy, uh, the quote, uh, culture wars don't go away just because the pandemic rolls around. It just looks a little different. And so in the context of the pro-life movement and uh, the battle between that and abortion rights, uh, the the phrase that comes to mind, I think you'll remember, I think it was Obama's chief of staff, Rahm Emanuel, later former mayor of Chicago, who said, you never let a serious crisis go to waste. Well, uh, uh, all, all political parties uh, take advantage of a moment. Uh, and in the context of pandemic, it, people certainly by, know by now that um, in the medical profession, my wife's a medical professional, um, you know, elective surgeries are canceled uh, across the states unless you absolutely need a procedure done that's, you know, either emergent or, you know, your your life is going to suffer significantly. Anything that's, quote, elective um, uh, is canceled. 
uh, for the foreseeable future and, and not returning for a while. There's a lot of reasons for that. A lot of it is uh, hospitals are closed to, to visitors and all non-essential procedures uh, because they're trying to mitigate risk like everybody else is doing in social distancing. And uh, one thing you can't social distance in is uh, our surgeries. Uh, well, abortion, if it is nothing else, uh, the abortion industry will tell us that it is a medical procedure, um, but they can't have it both ways. We've seen this all the time. They they want to have a medical procedure or they want to call it a medical procedure, but they reject any effort to uh, regulate it, just like um, government regulate any other requirements for uh, medical procedures. Um, you know, services and uh, capabilities of local clinics and uh, physicians having uh, privileges at local hospitals, they fight all of that. Uh, and so you have a situation where a number of states uh, made some moves uh, for the last month or so to stop abortion clinics from conducting abortions in the context of the pandemic. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I, th I think, uh, you know, we want all abortions to end, um, certainly, but it's an interesting tactic. Um, like I said, we we recognize it as at least a medical procedure uh, and ought to be governed as such. But here you, again, you have uh, abortion clinics asking for a get out get out of jail free card uh, that they don't want to play by the rules, uh, even in the sense that they uh, use the term, same terminology. Um, it's it's pretty remarkable stuff. And so you have uh, states like uh, Kentucky legislature uh, has given uh, the attorney general the power to shut down abortion clinics. Um, and other states are using uh, using the opportunity to fight it. They're being fought in the court um, uh, in varying degrees. We'll see how, how long this lasts. Uh, my concern, though, is I, I really hope that state legislatures aren't um, overreaching here, uh, as a, seeing a pro, you know, kind of a opportunity to advance a pro-life, uh, goal. Um, because if they don't do it really well, legally speaking, then that can have ramifications if we get a bad court decision. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. and so we don't want bad law in the mid or long term. Right. So bad cases make bad law and we don't want, a a, a an overzealous, um, uh, move um, by government to then get us a poor ruling in the courts in favor of um, of the abortion industry. So that's my cause of concern. Um, but I, you know, I'm I'm not an expert on on the uh, the verbiage of these particular bills. Um, but just a little caution I have it in the back of my head because I want the pro life movement to advance, but I want it to advance um, by not taking two steps back. All right, you and I are going to take a very brief break. When we come back, um, I want to talk a little bit about the 2020 election cycle. Uh, this will certainly, it, it already is, uh, a primary yeah. topic um, in that in that cycle. And I want to talk about what's happening at the state level in the Democratic Party. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm Remarkable. particularly disturbed by something that's taking place uh, in the western part of um, of Tennessee. But there are yeah. other examples of this across the country. And so... Uh, because you actually understand these things, I'm going to have you help us um, unpack it. <laughs> Matthew Hawkins sure. is here with me, uh, and we will return in just a moment. Continuing my conversation with Matt Hawkins, you can find him at MT Hawk on Twitter and remind us of your website. Matthew T. Hawkins.com. Matthew with two T's, T in the middle, Hawkins.com. 
All right. I had a Matthew with one T on yesterday. I'm I'm a little thrown oh. off by the Matthew with one T. It, it, it's, it's incorrect. But that's, <laughs> that's a short for it. I mean, I don't know what else you do with it. It's a typo. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So um, we won't tell him that. So his name is Matthew P. John, and just, just in case you want to know. Sure. John is, seems sure, to be sure. spelled correctly. I'm also thrown off by the people whose name is John and has no H. But anyway, that's a, that's a topic yeah, for another yeah, day. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. let's return to this conversation about abortion and politics. Um, uh-huh. So it, everybody knows that the, the Democratic Party is very pro-abortion. They are, they're yeah. advocating for it on a national level. But you and I recognize that all politics are ultimately local. Um, yeah. It's disturbing to me that I am seeing at the state level action by state parties, um, you know, on the Democratic side of the aisle, being really punitive when it comes to anyone who is pro-life and is holding office. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, we live in an era where it's no surprise that uh, the parties, the two main parties are, are split hard on um on the abortion issue and have been for a long time. And certainly at the national level, that seems really cemented in. I mean, we got to pray for a miracle to, to break that apart. But there had been from time to time, uh, you know, glimmers of hope, should we say? Um, well, there was uh, at, at least at, room. There was at least yeah, room. There was at least room, exactly. For pro-life uh, individuals in, in the yeah. party at a state level. And yeah, that's what seems to be evaporating. Yeah, especially at the state level, even even some representatives, um, you know, from you know Louis and Governor in Louisiana, I think, um, and uh, uh, Lipinski um, from the Midwest, uh, but he he recently is out. Um, you know, the the trade off of what happened. This is a little inside baseball, but the trade off of what happened with the rise of the Tea Party uh, about a decade or so ago um, was that it, it cleared out at the national level. Um, a lot of uh, moderate Democrats who, who you know, they weren't vocal pro-life folks, but they're at least uh, you could work with them. I mean, Democrats for Life as an organization. Uh, it's a really small organization now uh, after over the past decade. But now, uh, like you see, as an example, in our own state, um, over in the west side of our state in, in Memphis, uh, a long time, like over 20 years, a state representative, John DeBerry Jr., uh, the Democrat the Tennessee Democrat Party voted to remove him from a primary ballot uh, coming this August. Uh, and it's pretty clear that it's because he sided uh, with Republicans uh, uh, um, on some pro-life measures. And look, he's an ordained Church of Christ minister. He's an African-American. And the state party, state Democrat Party, just kicked him off the primary list. He, the, this is a party telling a representative that he's no longer one of them. And the, it's, it wasn't a close vote, Carmen. It was 41 to 18. That's that's really sad. Um, in, a, in a time especially, I mean just strategically, um, when the Democrats' party as a national and state-level organizations could be appealing to disaffected Republicans, uh, they're just not – even attempting, they're going the opposite direction, and uh, and and kicking out folks who could be a little more moderate, especially on something like a pro-life issue. It's really sad. So when um, <clears throat> when some of us are accused of being one-issue voters, I, I am mm-hmm. the furthest thing from a one-issue voter that you could ever hope to meet. I, I'm a yeah. I'm the most complex voter out there, but. 
Yeah. Um, when I'm accused of being a one issue voter, it's on this issue. And sure. and I am pretty quick, Matt, to turn to the person accusing me of that and saying, for the most part, Democrats have made this the one issue. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I, yeah this no is question. not my one issue as a, no. you know, as a person who is pro-life. Um, this yeah. is one of my issues. Uh, I have a I have a list. But um, but when I'm accused of being a one issue voter, it's on the issue of abortion. And I I need to be equipped to turn to that person who's accusing me of that and be able to say, um, actually, the the issue of of access to abortion in an unlimited manner, taxpayer funded. That's actually not my issue. That's your issue. Yeah, right. It is. It's absolutely issue the, it, you're absolutely correct. Sorry. Um, you're exactly right to put it in those terms, um, demanding that we uh, participate and legalize, uh, continue to legalize uh, this issue. Uh, you know, I, once you get past that issue, I, I, I'd go straight to the heart of what abortion is, um, because that person who's accusing you of that, honestly, they probably haven't or, or haven't been willing to um, understand what is actually happening in the context of abortion thing. And so, I, I you know, I'm going to I'm going to go pretty quickly to my crib sheet from our friend Scott Klusendorf uh, and talk about what is abortion, what's really happening um, in that in that process. Uh, is it is it a human life or is it not? That's you know what is the unborn, um, and uh, that bypasses uh, the voting question pretty quickly. But I, I'm with you, Carmen. I think a lot e- even when we describe a one issue voter, I, I think most of our calculations are far more far more complex. I think uh, the one issue voter thing is kind of a uh, a, a creature of um, polling the U.S. and trying to figure out <clears throat> what really drives people. I think in a lot in a lot of cases it's it's more complex. Um, you know, on the other side, my one my one critique, I think, of the early pro-life movement is that uh, we we put all of our eggs into one political party's basket. Uh, there were some early days in the 70s and 80s when when the Democratic Party uh, was not as solidified um, on the abortion issue. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it was short sighted to think that that we could accomplish what we needed to accomplish for the sake of the nation and for the sake of uh, unborn babies and their mothers um, with one political party. Um, so we, we need to learn that lesson moving forward for other issues. Um, but that's really been a detriment um, to to the pro-life movement uh, now, you know, ongoing over 40 years. So that's a regret. Um, and we're seeing it now even more aggressively at the state level. And the state, this is, this is not what, these are not coastal elite cities. I mean, this this is Tennessee, Carmen. Mm-hmm. They're ki- mm-hmm. they're kicking pro-life uh, moderate Democrats out of the party. Uh, in our African American Christian yeah. pro-life Christian. Democrats seated. He's a seated r- representative. It's yep. not like he's yeah. a wingnut he's an who incumbent. just wanted yeah. to be. He's an incumbent. I, I know this is very disturbing. All right, you and I have to leave it right there. Uh, you who are my return to normalcy have disturbed me today. <laughs> But, There's a light at the end yeah, of the tunnel, gonna, man. Gonna be, His name is it's, Jesus. It, 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 it's going it's to be a long road back uh, back to recovery, <laughs> but uh, we're, we're here for it. Matt, thanks so much. That's uh, Matthew Hawkins. You can find him at MatthewTHawkins.com. You can also find him on Twitter at MTHawk. We'll be right back.
Okay, so we talked yesterday about going camping with our kids tonight. It's the National Camp Out. Encourage you to participate in that with Trail Life USA. You can try, check it out at Trail Life USA. Uh, and then there's some this other really great idea that a friend of mine has had. He's going to be here next. His name's Dan DeWitt. He, he's written a children's book in the midst of this, and he's inviting your kids to help him illustrate it. I just love this idea. Uh, the book is We're Stuck in a House. We're stuck in a house. What shall we do? We're stuck in a house. Maybe you are too. We're stuck in a house. What shall we see? We're stuck in a house. What shall we be? We're stuck in a house. But what if it were a zoo? We're stuck in a house with bears. Oh, I've missed my spot. Dogs and kangaroos. We're stuck in a house. But what if it were a ship? We're stuck in a house on a wonderful nautical trip. We're stuck in a house. Isn't it grand? We're stuck in a house. Our thinking mustn't be bland. We're stuck in a house with nowhere to go. We're stuck in a house. Or maybe it's a UFO. We're stuck in a house on our way uh, all the way to Mars. We're stuck in a house. We'll fly over all the cars. We're stuck in a house blasting right through space. We're stuck in a house, an amazing alien race. We're stuck in a house. Make no doubt we're stuck in a house. Please don't pout. We're stuck in a house, but we haven't lost our minds. We're stuck in a house, not stuck in our not stuck on our behinds. I think that's a get up and get out and do something uh, page. We're stuck in a house. No reason for consternation. We're stuck in a house. So let's use our imagination. We're stuck in a house. You see, we're stuck in a house. Please imagine with me. Your kids illustrations are invited so that Dan DeWitt, my next guest, can actually illustrate the book that he has written. He's up next. We're going to talk about what in the world that Burger King crown has to do with the Psalms of David. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, friends, the plan is the plan has changed. Our spring fundraiser here at Faith Radio was originally scheduled for, well, this week, like we would have been doing it already. But due to um, the recommendations made by government and health agencies, we decided to move our event to a later date. So we are going to celebrate all that God is doing in and through our listener-supported Faith Radio programming. We're going to do so in an ongoing way, but specifically we're going to do so uh, the first week of May. But you don't have to wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait to share your good news story of how Faith Radio is impacting your life, uh, the ways in which this ministry um, provides you with encouragement each and every day. Don't wait to become a radio missionary. Don't wait to share Faith Radio with someone else. And don't wait to give. You can give online securely each and every day at MyFaithRadio.com. You can also call or text the word GIVE to 877-933-2484. Hey, if you're prone to text the word book to that number, um, today's a good day to text the word give to that number. Just just saying, just, just saying. Later in the program, um, we're actually going to have a book giveaway. Um, and so, you know, go ahead and try out the text line now. Be sure it's working. Text the word give to 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. Are you having a tough time connecting with your team? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Your son or daughter is communicating with people all the time with text and IM and Facebook. But my question is this, are you connecting with your team? Take the initiative to spend time with your child, to engage in a way that goes deeper than their mobile device. Don't wait for them to pursue you. It may never happen. Take the initiative. Make a date to have a conversation, the time to spend together, though it won't always seem like it's profound or life-changing, it will have a lasting positive impact. So make it happen. Today, choose to connect 
with your team. Want more parenting help from Mark Gregston? Find encouragement through articles, books, and more at parentingtodaysteens.org. Again, parentingtodaysteens.org. DeWitt, uh, you know, his day job is at Cedarville University, but I feel like he works all the time. I also feel like he has achieved his peak quarantine. He has connected with his uh, inner Seuss. Um, he has written a book in the midst of all of this, and, and he's going to, he's got all kinds of things to share today. Dan, welcome back. Thanks, Carmen. Good to be back with you. So uh, you guys can find everything we're talking about today at theolatte.com. Theolatte.com. That's like God and coffee. Theolatte.com. Amen. Um, I want to start with um, we're stuck in the house. So we're stuck in the yeah. house is this kids is this kids story. I actually read it before you came on um, so that people would know, uh, would have a sense of what we're doing here. Um, invite invite people to get their kids to illustrate it and send them to you. I love this idea. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, as we've talked about before, I like to um, self-published these books for my kids. And um, I, on Easter Sunday, it was late in the afternoon. Everybody was just chilling. And I had this idea for a little story, we're stuck in a house. And so I started writing it and having fun with it. And I thought, what am I going to do with this now that I've written it? And I thought, you know, it'd be really cool if people would submit drawings, let their kids illustrate this story. And then I'll put it in that same format where kids can flip through it online um, for free. I could put a PDF online, parents can download. And so that's where it all started. I, I wrote it. We were just kind of um, lounging on Easter afternoon, and I thought it'd be great to have kids um, send in their artwork. So on Sunday evening, um, a week from the original announcement, I'm going to share some of the artwork that's come in, and then a week later, I'll have the book available online. All right. So you've inspired... Uh... You've inspired some drawing in my family, so you can at least expect um, a submission from six year old um, from a six year old who is in my family, and she's pretty excited. That is awesome! Yeah, it's yeah. been fun. I've gotten artwork from England, from multiple different states, and I can't wait to see um, artwork from your family as well. Yeah, I'm not telling. I'm not giving her name because I don't want to put my hand on the scale, right? I don't. <laughs> 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 okay, so let's talk about um, we have you and I have lots of things to talk about today. Let me encourage people to check out the weekend worldview reader at theolatte.com. Can we do the Psalm 103 Burger King crown story first? Yes, absolutely. I know I know I'm skipping over the War of Words uh, CBS News documentary, but this one, um, I feel like we need a little soul care. So let's talk about Psalm 103 and what in the world Burger King crowns have to do with it. Well, I preached on Psalm 103 for Cedarville's. We have chapel every single day at 10 a.m., and even with our students exiled, we're still doing that. And so three days a week, it's a live stream, someone just, you know, speaking to a camera, and a couple days a week, it's an archived um, chapel service. So I preached on Psalm 103 where David commands himself, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me to bless God's name. And one of the things— um, and we could spend a long time talking about this. I'll just kind of put it out there. Um, this is is not a secular understanding of what it means to be human. David is talking as though he's not a slave to his emotions. 
you know, like the movie Inside Out, where Riley, this character, is controlled entirely by her emotions, David believes there's an immaterial part of what it means to be human, a soul, and he could preach to himself and all that's within him to praise God. And then he outlines several benefits of his relationship with God. And one of them that I tried to illustrate with this Burger King crown is he says that God crowns us with his steadfast love and mercy. And so in preaching that, I pulled out a Burger King crown and put it on my head and said, you know, you may not realize it, but you're wearing a crown now. And indeed, anyone who knows Jesus has been crowned by God with God's love and mercy. So here's one of the things that I love that you do there. First of all, you give us permission to smile. You, We do not all have to um, remain in some sort of extended depression over what's happening right now. There's a transcendent reality right. um, to which everything that we're now experiencing points. And humor, um, even even the kind of uh, of humor that some of us are um, maybe don't particularly appreciate that we're seeing on the internet right now, um, but there is room for humor and and smiling and joy in the midst of all of this. Um, and so I appreciate that um, that you're willing to use humor and creativity and imagination in the midst of all of this. I think it's particularly important when we are talking with people who um, are either not Christians or are mm-hmm. uncertain about the things of the faith. I, I am finding that with older adults who have always thought they were Christians and who really are facing um, challenges of, of fear and anxiety right now, and they're discovering that, wow, their faith was not built on something as firm as they once imagined, and they're having to kind of mm-hmm. rediscover Jesus for the first time. Um, and that discipleship looks a lot like discipleship with little children. And so mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that you're giving us some tangible uh, touch points that that help us have these conversations about the transcendent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's, it's what, that's what I feel you know, like we... you're doing. Well, at the, at the heart of Christianity is joy, right? Mm. And so David Amen. in the psalm is reminding himself, you know, um, because he has to remind himself, we all forget all of the benefits that come from knowing God. And I think it's a bit like, you know, the old um, story about the emperor's new clothes. He, he thinks he's wearing clothes, but he's really not. And he has all these people around him who are trying to convince him, you know, oh, it's such a magnificent robe or whatever. And it's finally a child who points out, actually, no, you're not wearing a robe. There's nothing there. Christians are the exact opposite. We're wearing a crown, but the world's telling us, no, there's nothing special about your faith, when indeed we're actually, we're crowned by God with his love and his mercy. And it's, it's if nothing else, it's cause for great joy. Mm. All right, we're going to take a very brief break. When we come back, um, you're going to brief us in on this CBS News documentary, War of Words, from this week, which links biblical creationism um, and, you know, flat earth views and white nationalism and all kinds of interesting uh, conversational talking points. I've got Dan DeWitt from Cedarville University. You can check out everything we're talking about today at Theolatte.com. I'm the marvelous, magical Burger King. I can do most anything. I love magic and <laughs> Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. If you don't know why we're playing that music, you need to go back and listen. 
to the podcast <laughs> and uh, to the little prior segment. Dan DeWitt is here. You can read about the things that we're talking about today at theolatte.com. Dan, uh, first of all, this week's Weekend Worldview Reader is just excellent. want to direct people to that. Um, brief us in on this CBS News documentary, War of Words. Well, first of all, I'll just say I, I'm really thankful for CBS News, their their live streaming news app. I watch all the time and uh, watch a number of their documentaries. Um, but I was really drawn to the the program the other night, which was their War of, War of Words um, documentary, in which they're looking at how people are accessing fake news. And so the, the show starts with a concern over fake news and the coronavirus. And so you have experts saying things that are true, like um, fake news can be as dangerous as the virus because people are not making wise, well-informed decisions. So right off the bat, you know, they, they get your attention. I agree with that wholeheartedly. But then they list a number of other ways that people have wrong views based on fake news. They talk about flat earth. They talk about the growing nationalism and racism. And then they talk about biblical creation in the same list of topics. And um, what I talked about in the Weekend Worldview Reader and also on Mere Caffeination, the program I've done on Facebook recently, is how we need to be careful that even in a program about fake news, the way that they're structuring their program can itself be fake news, especially what I believe a misrepresentation of what Christians believe the Bible teaches about creation. And what does the Bible teach about creation versus the ways in which that is often misrepresented in the culture today? Well, you know, lumping creation in with those other topics, first of all, you know, biblical creation um, is not some peripheral kind of fringe fanatic belief like flat earth, that it's really hard to find someone who holds this view. Um, nor is it an ideology that's leading to, um, you know, towards harmful behavior towards others. It, it, there are at the highest level um, scientists who believe in a biblical view of creation. And so what they do in the program is they interview someone with no disrespect to the person. I don't even remember his name. But he says, you know, if evolution were true, we would see aliens and things like Star Wars. Because we don't see that, we know evolution's false. And I think the fact that they lumped it in with those topics and also that they found someone who's not a very good spokesperson for creation is a demonstration that there is an ideological bias behind how they're putting that story together. So, Dan, um, when we think about the way in which we engage the headline news of the day, so this would be one example. I yeah. hear I hear something represented in the culture. I know, I know down in my gut and I know in my heart and I know in my head that the way that it's being presented is inconsistent and incongruent and unaligned with the God of the Bible. But the person who is saying it or the person who is posting it online is has, you know, in, at least in my sense, some authority by some institution of the day. Help me mm-hmm. um, help me know how to how to speak the truth um, when the person on the when the person who is promoting the false theology, when the person who is misrepresenting the gospel is a person who, you know, has a fancy degree or letters before or after their name. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's a great question because often we're, we are intimidated um, and, and for good reason. You know, none of us, I don't have a degree in medicine. I don't have a degree in science. Um, so if I hear someone making a claim for medicine or from science, I don't ne necessarily, I'm not able to go into the literature base. I'm not able to go into the research base that they bring to the discussion. But what we can all do is look at what are the commitments that shape the way they look at those bodies of research. So in this case, um, what is the kind of commitment that makes someone drawn towards a theory that tries to describe where the world came from and where humans came from without any reference to God? I may not be able to jump into all of the research and all of the science of evolution, um, but I can at least see what is the commitment. For me as a Christian and for the people listening to this program, we have a commitment that God exists and that God's revealed himself. And so when I hear something that's contrary to God's word, I may not be able to re refute it in a public debate right, about all the science and the literature base. But what I can do is cling tightly to my commitments and begin evaluating their claims at the level of their worldview commitments, which are pretty simple, and it's a pretty short list in terms of worldview. And that's where worldview kind of thinking and worldview analysis is helpful when we're not able to go um, kind of tit for tat in terms of the, um, the, the scientific theories that are being discussed. When we talk about um, everything that's on the Weekend Worldview Reader, and again, uh, you can find it at theolatte.com. Um, as I scroll through the list, um, you know, I see, uh, I see another meaty book there. Um, and then there's always a video. Talk with us. I love this. Talk with us about um, the doodle that's this week's video. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I so wish I had 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 the time and the talent to do what the person who does the C.S. Lewis doodles <laughs> does. They're they're wonderful. And so this week's video is the C.S. doodle, and you should check it out on YouTube because um, there's a whole slew of them, and you could be introduced to writings from Lewis in this really creative way. Um, but this one is in particular about the return of Christ, and the title of the essay that C.S. Lewis wrote is called The World's last night. And the reason I put it here is I had someone respond to a lecture I was giving on Facebook and say, help me think through. Um, people are saying that the coronavirus is a part of, you know, end times, and here's how do we fit it in, and how do we know when Jesus is coming back? And C.S. Lewis just says in this essay, today could be the world's last night, but the last thing we need to do is try and find out exactly when, because Jesus told us we wouldn't. We No one knows other than God the fathers, the triune God knows, of course, but no man knows. Which is such a good conversation for us to be having right now, because there are so many people making so many predictions about the near and the long term. And the reality mm -hmm. is we don't know. We don't know. That's I, right. I, my, my answer to my kids on a daily basis, um, when, when there is a when question, when, 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 you know, like, when is this going to happen? My answer every single time is, I am so sorry, but I don't know. And yeah. I know that this, you know, that this quarantine is going to come to an end. I know that one day we're going back to school. I know, I mean, I do know that those things are true, but I don't know when they're going to happen. That, that is, that, that points to the transcendent truth that Jesus is coming again, and I don't know when. That's right. And when, yeah. when you're uncertain and things are unclear, cling to what is clear and what is certain. Amen. Dan DeWitt, thank you, um, as always, for coming alongside us in our 
Journey of Faith. Thank you for all that is posted at Theolatte.com. I have the Weekend Worldview Reader bookmarked so that I will uh, read those articles and watch the video this weekend. Thank you so much. Thanks, Carmen. I'm going to get my kids busy drawing pictures. I want everybody to, I really do, I want everybody to, who's got kids at home, go check out We're Stuck in a House and get your kids drawing and submitting pictures so that, you know, it could be really good. All right. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Carmen. We'll be right back. Okay. So what are you reading this weekend? What are you watching this weekend? Um, I'm going to encourage you to check out Inexplicable um, at the Trinity Broadcasting Network. I'm going to encourage you to check out the Seth Curry Jump Shot movie uh, this weekend. I'm going to encourage you to check out Focus on the Family's streaming service. We're going to have Adam Holtz on in the next hour. He's going to talk with us about other things that might be worthy of our eyeballs this weekend and worthy of our attention. But first up in the next hour, oh no, maybe I do have Adam first up. I got to look at my look at my list. I do have him first up. Um, but then after that, I've got Karen Swallow Pryor, and she's going to um, join us to talk about some things that are worth reading. And we're going to talk about some classic literature. Um, I have actually taken the deep dive back into classical literature because of what Karen is doing in these um, guides to reading and reflection. And so you might be interested as well. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.